Welcome to It's All Political, the San Francisco Chronicle's political podcast. I'm Joe Garofoli, the Chronicle's senior political writer, and today we're talking about the start of Joe Biden's presidency. I heard an analyst the other day talking about Biden and beginning his administration, and he said that the bet of Joe Biden's presidency is that normal still works after four years of the Trump administration. What? That's how far we've fallen in America. It's now a risky bet that being normal still works. My guest today is one of my favorite people to talk to in Washington about the presidency, and that's Elaine K. Mark. She's a senior fellow at the Brookings Institution in Washington and author of Why Presidents Fail and How They Can Succeed Again. We're going to talk about normalcy and whether America is ready for normal and what normal looks like. And now, here's my conversation with Elaine Kmark. Elaine Kmark, from your home in Washington, D.C. to my home in Oakland, California, welcome to It's All Political. Thanks for having me, Joe. As we're beginning the, the Biden administration, I heard somebody say something the other day. He, he, this person said that the big bet, literally he said bet, that the Biden of the Biden candidacy and his presidency was that, quote, normal still works after four years of the Trump administration. And I was thinking, that's, that's really sad that being normal for a president is now a bet in America 2021. Uh, Elaine, you study the presidency. You, you've written a book called Why the Presidents Fail. Is America ready for normal? Or is that a bet? I, I think America is more than ready for normal because they simply want to be able to do normal things again, like go to the movies and go to restaurants and not be afraid of getting a disease that that's going to kill them. Uh, and so what they want is a president who, rather than posturing and blaming everybody for everything and being so unbelievably narcissistic that everything's about him, I think they want a president who thinks about them. And I think they want a president who will focus like a laser on the pandemic and actually use the government and make it work. Now, you say uh, uh, let's let's define what what normal means here. You say essentially Biden has just one job as he starts out. What is his one job? He has one job, one job, get vaccines into the arms of Americans beginning and middle and end. That's the job. Because if he does that, then a lot of America does return to normal. And once that happens, you've got this you've got this great sequence going. If he can get the pandemic under control, there will be an economic rebound. Just think of all the anniversaries and birthday parties and various celebrations that have been put off right? And trips and all that stuff that we've put off for almost a year now. Um, All of those things will come back. The economy will come back. And then I think once the economy comes back, uh, Joe Biden is going to have a lot of political goodwill, a lot of capital, and he's going to be able to attack some of the deeper seated problems in America. And he's uh, going to have a rollout in the next few days and weeks, a slew of executive orders, what, what what does that do? Is that basically just sort of mopping up after what Trump did? Or what will that help him with his uh, bringing things to normal? Or will that just incite Republicans to get pissed off at him about something else? No, the, the executive orders will undo the Trump era. Period. End of sentence. 
in, without, in, with two exceptions, right? He can't repeal the Trump tax bill uh, with executive orders, and he can't get rid of all the conservative judges that Trump got into office with an executive order. Other than that, all the other things that that have been so controversial, like the policy of separating parents from their children at the borders, um, that can be undone with an executive order. Um, withdrawal from the Paris Climate Accords, he can simply come back into the Paris Climate Accords. So there's an awful lot of things that he can do that are just simply going to be reversing Trump. Uh, and then he'll be able to go on to his agenda. He has one uh, major piece of legislation he's going to be rolling out that's going to be on immigration. He is providing a, a pathway to citizenship for the 11 million uh, people who are in this country who are not documented. Uh, does that have a prayer in this Congress uh, that, that is uh, that is split if uh, right down the middle, if not for the uh, vote of the vice president, Kamala Harris? Well, that depends totally on the Republican Party. Okay, and what the republic, how the Republican Party sees its future. If the Republican Party links its future to this um, anti-immigrant, hostile, you know, uh, politics of hatred, then you know they're going to fight it tooth and nail. But you know, bef- uh, uh, let me give, go back a little bit in history. After 2012, okay, so after the Romney defeat, and God knows Romney was not nearly Donald Trump in any mm. way, shape, or form. After the Romney defeat, there was a there was a commission within the Republican National Committee to look at what was their problem, what happened to them, and one of the things that that commission, this is Republicans, um, concluded was that. Uh, Republicans had to get rid of the immigration issue, that the immigration issue was going to continue to work against them, not for them. Now, Donald Trump proved them wrong in 2016, but let's face it, the 2016 election was a bit of a fluke. Um, Donald Trump lost the popular vote and won very narrowly in three states, therefore winning the Electoral College. So uh, he, he got very lucky. But there is a piece of the Republican Party that has been saying for some time, let's get rid of immigration as an issue and move on to things where we are, we have a stronger case, like the economy, like a strong business community, et cetera, where they do much better with the voters. And they, uh, many Republicans see this as uh, in raw political terms, as you say. They they think, well, this is this will take a, an organizing issue away from Democrats if they cannot, you know, uh, organize Latino voters right. around the immigration issue. This this may help us politically. One of those people, uh, a key senator who was who was a part of those uh, immigration, briefly a part of those immigration discussions uh, several years ago, was Marco Rubio, who is up for reelection uh, in Florida. Where does he go in this? We've seen the many faces of Marco Rubio over the years, uh, and specifically him. And are there other Republicans that Biden says he can legitimately work with? Uh, we, we hear him talk about, we've heard him talk about that in the campaign trail. Do these Republicans exist or are they unicorns of our political imagination? Oh, no, I think there are. I think there definitely are. First of all, there's a slew of Republicans that just got reelected. So they have six years, right? They've got six years before they have to face the voters again. And that gives the politicians somewhat, uh, you know, a little bit of freedom in terms of what they do. 
Then, of course, and this is a question for Marco Rubio, there are those Republican senators who think they're going to run for president in 2024. And they've got to walk a very uh, narrow line. They want to keep the Trump, the intense Trump voters. On the other hand, they don't want to get labeled as uh, crazy insurrectionists as part of the alt-right and way out there on there. So they're, they're those guys, and I think Marco Rubio falls into that camp, um, have to figure out how they're going to do that. And taking the immigration issue off the table by passing something that people think of as a, as a decent uh, solution to the immigration issue, uh, that may be one way that they uh, can do that and get on with business. We'll be back with more of my conversation about the start of Joe Biden's presidency with Elaine Kmart after this short break. And some of these other Republicans, uh, I believe you've you know, identified 16 Republicans that, that Biden could possibly work with. Uh, these are folks who either were recently reelected. So as you alluded to earlier, they have a, a sort of a cushion. They're, they're hoping the voters will forget whatever they did in the first year, they're, uh, six years on. Um, and also uh, people who voted um, uh, uh, to certify the election. I believe there's 10 Republican senators who did, or not 10 Republican senators, there was uh, uh, 10 in the House. But who? how many Republicans does he have to deal with uh, could Biden potentially deal with here and, and talk a little bit about those folks? Well, the, the, there's a subset of Republican senators who both got real, just got reelected and um, did not go along with Trump on the Electoral College vote. And I think that that if if there are to be, for instance, votes for um, convicting Trump um, in the, his Senate trial, uh, those people might be ones that could cross would cross over and join the Democrats. Um, in addition, I think it's that group of people will be um, a group from which Biden can can find some friends on some issues. Okay, so for instance, I, I wouldn't expect that a lot of these the people, a lot of Republican senators, were going to be joining with Biden to undo the Republican tax cuts. Republicans love tax cuts. They love the tax bill. Uh, that would have probably been something like it probably would have been passed uh, even without Donald Trump, with any Republican senator. Um, but there's an awful lot of other things, um, maybe dealing with racial justice, immigration, some of these other questions, where you can definitely see enough Republican senators uh, coming over and helping Biden do some pretty important legislation. Many times uh, we look in his, at history, you look at inaugural addresses, and, and we, we can pull out one or two lines uh, from an address, um, What? Uh, but mostly they're forgotten by the next day as, as we all return to the, to the work of governing and, and such. Uh, what does Biden need to do in this inaugural address? Um, we're certain to hear a lot about unity, uh, but is there something else he, he needs to say? When he's when he's delivering his inaugural address, look. The most important thing he needs to convey in his inaugural address is that he's going to do something. That he's going to do something about the pandemic. That's what he has to convey. And you know, unlike Trump, who has basic who basically stopped talking about the pandemic several months ago, didn't talk about it in his reelection campaign. Um, has net has made no statements about it since he got reelected. Uh, I mean, to, since he got defeated, other than to say, 
oh, isn't it great? We got a vaccine. They should call it the Trump vaccine, of course. <laughs> um, you know, working on those branding rights. Yeah, I mean, he's the guy. The guy can't think beyond branding for one minute. <laughs> so, um, you know, so so I think the contra the the bar is pretty low here. I mean, we have a president who has has taken himself out of the most important question facing Americans today, which is, am I going to get this thing or is my grandmother going to get it and is somebody going to die? Um, the president has taken himself out of that issue. And so therefore, if Joe Biden steps in and says, look, I got a plan, I'm going to do something, I'm going to use executive authorities, I'm going to get the federal government involved, et cetera. Um, I think that's what people are going to remember. And finally, speaking of the president, he's still the president as we're recording this, President Trump, how does Biden handle him? Uh, does he, uh, there's going to be everything from investigations going on to uh, an impeachment that's going to be going on uh, you know, very shortly after Biden lifts his hand off the Bible on Wednesday. How should, he, how should Biden handle uh, the outgoing president? Oh, I, I think the way Biden has been handling him through most of the transition, which is basically to say, I have a job to do. I have important things to do and I have to fix a lot of things. And I think he should ignore him. I mean, at some point, you know, uh, Trump will figure out how to communicate again. He'll get his Twitter account back or something. Something will happen. Right. So at some point, um, Trump will be out there again. And I really think giving him a platform. Um, by responding to him as president is going to be really a, a huge problem. Now, there may be times when he has to, um, but I think that he, uh, that Biden's got to be all about working, working, working like a president should work and like we haven't seen a president working um, for the past four years. Kind of like being normal, right? Kind of like being normal, like being a normal <laughs> president. I mean, let me let me just give you one counterfactual, right? Um, imagine that Ted Cruz had gotten elected instead of Donald Trump or Lindsey Graham, okay, or Marco Rubio. Um, you know, a lot of them share many of Trump's issue positions, right? But mm -hmm. you know that that any single one of them, you don't have to be, you don't have to say a Democrat would have done a better job. Almost any every single Republican who ran against Trump would have done a better job at handling this crisis than Trump has done. And and you agree with that, that with me? We we're on the same page here. Is that if if there hadn't been a pandemic, Trump very likely would have been reelected. Yep. If there hadn't been a Trump pandemic, I think a lot of people would have said, ah, that's just, that's just him. He doesn't really mean it. You know, they, they would have made excuses for all his aberrant behavior. Um, because remember before the pandemic hit, the economy was pretty good. Yeah. And, and I think he probably would have gotten rewarded for that in spite of it, but he really crashed and burned when it came to the pandemic. Yes. Lane Kmark, uh, the book is called Why Presidents Fail and How They Can Succeed Again. Uh, senior fellow at the Brookings Institution, thank you so much uh, for your time and for being on It's All Political. Well, thank you, Joe. Nice to be here. I'd like to thank you all for listening and hope that you and your families are safe and healthy. I'd like to thank Elaine for joining us today. I'd like to thank the King, King Kaufman, for producing today's episode. And here's a shout out for our fabulous theme music. That's Cattle Call written by Randy Clark and performed by Randy Clark and Croson. And remember, no matter what you think normal means, it's all political.